The following movie has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences. Parents may wish to consider whether it should be viewed by children under 17. Welcome to Off Script with Jason and Joel. And now, here are your hosts, two guys who love making air quotes, Jason and Joel. Hey! Well, we, we do kind of love that. And, and, and it's sort of like I like saying, I'd be remiss. We, we love. Love. We're making air quotes. Making right now. air quotes. Love yeah, it. I think George Carlin had a bit where he talked about how much he hated people that did air quotes. Yeah. And I remember being in my later teenage years and obviously a, a very independently minded because I allowed some comic who I, I had never met slash never would meet. <laughs> To set your to set to set me yeah. to where I thought that, uh, but I make your does that make me oh I'm now I'm self conscious and you know what I love you George Carlin but f you George Carlin, <sighs> which I think he'd appreciate. I think so, he would. I am Joel, and I am Jason. Ah, we should do it in the other uh, order. Wait, we should do the other order. Go ahead, go, so you start. I am Joel, and I am Jason. <laughs> that worked better. <laughs> okay. And this, of course, is off script with Jason and Joel, which yeah. isn't confusing at all. No. Uh, we are your hosts, at least this week, until they fire us. And yeah. we also host another little podcast you probably never heard of called Forgotten Something. And <laughs> this podcast, Jason and I have determined, is our, we just got crap we want to talk about that has nothing to do with 80s movies, which is what our other podcast typically is about. And this gives us an excuse, like we needed one, right? No, this is our outlet. This yeah, is yeah. our outlet for all the cutting room floor discussions yeah, yeah. Uh, that we well, otherwise you say, would You have. say outlet, I say excuse. Whatever. Yeah, it, what, it's the same difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it no, is. No, I think, uh, I love that we have this outlet, though, because as much as I love 80s movies and we talk about our Forgotten Flakes, I absolutely love talking about other stuff around entertainment because we don't just sit around watching our old VHS tapes all day long, pining for the days speak of... Speak for yourself. <laughs> for, the, for the days of uh, practical effects and... Um, and bad video tracking and dirty heads, fl <laughs> yeah. fl dirty flying heads on my VCR. And really wishing we could go to the video store again to rent movies. But uh, um, no, I, I, I love that we get to talk about other stuff also. So this gives us a place to dump all the other crap. But Which dumping yeah. crap is what we do, my friend. It's what, what we, we do. do. I think they do that on both shows. And I would say the title of this particular episode will be the one all about Man of Steel. However, before we get into that, Jay, yeah, would you like to maybe, I don't know, um, talk a little trailer trash? Come on back now, you hear? Y'all need to watch that trailer. And that was the theme song from Jason's family reunion. I was going to tell you, how did you get my uncle to do the music? Come on. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, thank you to awesome dude and regular listener Hammond for that Jason that Graham's awesome. theme song. <laughs> <laughs> which we will also use to introduce our trailer trash segment. Of course. <laughs> so, Jay, do you have any trailers that you uh, you noticed recently that you'd like to you bring to the folks' attention? Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple. We've talked about most of the ones, uh, as we're going to talk about in a second. We both uh, separately during the opening weekend of Man of Steel went and saw it in theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of the trailers I saw uh, leading up to the movie, we'd already talked about or ones that, you know, um, no real interest. I mean, there was... Stuff that we had seen already, or something. I mean, uh, uh, that we talked about already in the show. But there was one that I saw afterwards uh, that I thought made a great connection to Man of Steel that has me excited. It is uh, 300 Rise of an Empire, which uh, is also by Zack Snyder, the director of Man of Steel, uh, and the man, the guy who directed 300, the original. I guess this is supposed to be uh, like a sequel to. 300, which was the story of um, the kingdom of Sparta, and they were under attack by the the Persian uh, man god Xerxes, and so it's it's kind of a very stylized uh, telling of that story. This is, I guess, the next part of that story, the next part of that you know kind of historical telling. And yes. you haven't seen 300, right? I have never seen 300. Um, I will say I love 300. I love it. 
I, I really, really love the movie, but it's a very stylized painting. It's a Zack Snyder movie. Yes, even more so. I mean, this it's it's very much slow mo. There's a lot of uh, you know CGI fights. There's a lot of impossible kind of fights, but it's done really well. And the music to it is really cool. It's got a great rock feel to it. You know, um, well, a lot you of know why? Because the Spartans no. were known for rocking out. Oh, dude, they party all night and every single day. Yeah, so. they really did. Um, but anyway, so this is, I guess, the next version or the next part of that. Um, and the, the trailer looks just like the original. Um, but this, I guess, is supposed to be mainly like naval battle and, and uh, uh, the battle of the seas. So it, well, it does kind quick, of a Real cool... quick, just set me straight. Naval battle. Is that like naval gazing? <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't involve semen. Whoa, what the hell kind of naval gazing do you engage in? Oh, you meant semen like the ones in the ocean. That, Guys, on deck. Boat. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. on the poop deck. Lots <laughs> of semen on the poop deck. That's where the semen... <laughs> God, grow up. Anyway. No, I, will, I will never not be 12 years old, sorry. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it looks good. I mean, it looks the same way. So if you did not like 300, I don't think you're going to like this one. I Actually, you know, 300 is one of those movies that initially I avoided because I figured it was just another Michael Bay-ish type movie. Not that I yeah. haven't sat through my share of Michael Bay movies, but I just wasn't feeling it. But yet everyone has told me since, oh, no, you got to see it. It's great. And then it just has never presented itself with an opportunity. Yeah, it's it's not a Michael Bay type film. It's it's definitely something that you have to take and understand in its context. But that's a lot like a, a lot of movies we talk about, you know, um, in, in the same way that some of those cheesy sci-fi movies we love taking them in context of what they're supposed to be. But this one is, you know, if you know going in, it's supposed to be really colored differently it's yeah, it's oh, yeah. i see enough on it yeah it's it's a lot like uh, alice in wonderland kind of a telling of the story you know yeah you know it's all absolutely impossible but it's a really good story and the guy that plays leonidas in the original um is that gerard he, butler uh yes uh he he plays the king of the spartans and him and the, all, all the stuff they do is, is kind of cool so if they can stick with that same type the same telling yeah. and make this really just the same kind of movie with, uh, you know, the next part of the story, then I think it'll, I'll like it. And no. this is what, 300, what is it called? 300 Rising? Rise of an Empire. A Rise of an Empire. Okay. I haven't seen the Rise. trailer yet, so. Yeah, so uh, cool, cool trailer. Um, the only other one I saw was really just a teaser. Uh, it was for one called Frozen. Um, oh, which I is love like, that. That's the one with the kids on the uh, ski lift. <laughs> yes, it's the one. It's the ones where the girl at the end should have died. Wait, 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 spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, no, it's not the horror movie, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I, would, actually, I wouldn't call Frozen a horror movie. No, thriller. Yeah, yeah thriller. A survival, thriller. A survival thriller, not a horror yeah. movie. Yeah, No, not a horror movie. Because we talked about it had similarities to the one Buried and, uh, you know, uh, Phone Booth. What was it? Yes. Phone booth. Translation, and find a, a ridiculously small location and shove some people in it. And make it a life-threatening situation. And, make, and stretch it out for 89 minutes. Exactly. Uh, but no, I thought it was funny this had the exact same title, and we talked about Frozen so much uh, on our other show. But uh, no, this one is um, a Disney film. It's an animated uh, film. And it, it from the teaser, <clears throat> it's basically uh, you know this cute little vignette with a snowman and an elk and it, it looks cute from that but i don't even know what the story is or anything about it i just watched the teaser but um it has to be better than tangled uh so i'll be okay with i don't that. know how you can say that <sighs> did you watch tangled no actually i didn't you, you warned me and i it wasn't high on my list to begin with well yeah i, I can't imagine it is um but uh yeah eh, it was very underwhelming that's that's the way i describe it it wasn't terrible i don't tell people not to see it it was just eh. so hmm. anyway so have you seen anything good lately uh yes well of course you and i both uh just saw the trailer for the colony ah not to be confused with the discover the discovery channel television series the yes. colony which both you and i enjoyed which i found out that a friend of the podcast doug mccoy who does the uh, excellent found footage films which i like to just on a uh, i know this is very rare for me i'm gonna just shoot off on tangent real quick I find it fascinating. Doug does that podcast solo about a subject that, quite frankly, I'm not a huge found footage fan film uh, fan. Well, that's hard uh-huh. to say. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, he does. He goes uh, every. He goes. How do you? He always starts the show with 
uh, where we uh, we discuss films filmed in the found footage format. He always and I'm like, how does he not stumble? <laughs> how does he get through that? Exactly. And but I, but I'm not a hater. Like if it's a good movie and it happens yeah, to yeah. each other, I'm totally fine with that. But right, right. but he is so intelligent and comes at these things from such interesting analytical. Almost yeah. you could argue over analyzes them, but in a great way. So yeah, yeah. found footage it films. Makes it interesting. Yeah, he does. But it, as yeah. it turns out, I found out that season two of the colony, I believe one of the guys, the guy who kind of goes woohoo, uh, the most in that particular season, uh, went to his church or something. In fact, I know there was a connection there that he knew the guy. Uh, oh wow! So yeah, so it turns out those people really weren't uh, amongst the last people on Earth. That that was a bunch of crap. Oh, don't ruin it. Honey. I know. I know. I was like, Damn what it. the hell? Are you telling me that that what what it was an apocalypse? The apocalypse really hadn't happened. <laughs> so anyway but this colony with Lawrence yes, Fishburne this is a film. yes uh, uh, it has two of my absolute favorite actors in it Lawrence Fishburne and Bill Paxton oh gotta love Bill Paxton y- yes yep. and uh, an old Lair Larry Fishburne something by the way I would never say to his face and because <laughs> I'm pretty confident he would in, kill me as we learned in Man of Steel he is uh, twice your size yes indeed and <laughs> it is I'll just real quick read the IMDb description. Forced underground by the next ice age, a struggling outpost of survivors must fight to preserve humanity against a threat even more savage than nature, which actually is a pretty good synopsis because that seems like what it's about. It's post-apocalyptic, but uh, we're we're back to the 70s, folks. It's about the next ice age. And I actually remember having a book. I remember there was a science fiction book. I don't know if my dad had it or something. It was from like 1975, 76. And it was all about the coming ice age. And like they were trying to blend fiction and non-fiction together and i just remember the cover actually very much reminded me of very similar to the uh, poster of this minus larry fishburne and uh bill paxton so uh it looks it looks like entertaining i mean it looks like a fun cold okay so let me ask you this yes uh i love bill paxton so i i will most likely watch this because he's in it and uh i like lawrence fishburne i think he's pretty he's pretty good um and I don't mind the the idea, uh, you know, the Ice Age apocalypse uh-huh. thing. That's uh-huh. kind of cool. Okay, so I'm not giving anything away because if it's in a trailer, it's fair game. So if you don't want it spoiled, then seriously, just turn off every media device you have in your house. Um, <laughs> is this a zombie movie? No. They're can- Are you sure? Yeah, no, 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 no. Because they show the they show the bad the big bad guys, and they're not zombies. They're cannibals. Like straight cannibals. They- like to, to the point where they've gone insane. They're insane cannibals. They're not okay, zombies. Okay, I could take that because it looks like, okay, there's an outpost in the frozen yes. waste, yes. you know, of the world. And they say, oh, we, we have an SOS from another outpost. We're going to go check it out. They find a survivor in there and they're like, is there anybody else alive? And he's like, define what you mean by alive or it depends what you mean by alive. Well, because like, oh, I think at one point they made the comment about they're not even human anymore, but they never said about them. Why are they dead? Or, no, they showed and they were not rotten. Now, it looked like they had filed their teeth to make them sharp. Which is creepy. And I want to say I've seen that before. I don't remember. Was it 13th Warrior or there's something else where uh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was Which, characters um, that had done something similar. With Antonio Banderas? Yeah. Was yeah. that? Did they do that in that one? I just remember. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's it's not without precedent. It definitely, you know, seems a bit derivative, but let's be honest, all stories ultimately are. Oh, sure. And it just, as long as it's uh, entertaining and fun, like it looks like it could be, uh, it had a certain thing vibe to it, minus the alien. Like, like I think you could really get into the yes. paranoia uh, and the lack of trust of your fellow man within that context, which would be fun. So I always like those kinds of stories. Um, so I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, it does have a feel of, like the thing because it, it has that, you know, everybody in a very confined space, very cold, you know, they're all packed up. They're trying to, you know, survive just in general before, of course, the thing, the bad stuff happens just in general. It's felt like a survival situation. So, mm-hmm. um, eh, I'd have to see another trailer that's, that kind of fleshes it out more, I guess. Ah, fleshes it out. I'm stoked. Ah, ah, ah. And one I wanted to mention that I actually hadn't mentioned uh, when we talked earlier, but it just popped yeah. in the back into my head when I was going through the trailer list that I saw recently that. I'm stoked to see because it is it reminds me of everything I've ever loved about Martin Scorsese or Sk- Scorsese as a director. Yeah. And it's called The Wolf of Wall Street. Have you seen the trailer yet? Uh, no, I have not. Stars Leo DiCaprio as Henry Hill. I mean, <laughs> as <laughs> hold on, let me scroll back up as is Jordan Belfort. And he's this big, uh, you know, speculator market 
whiz kid kind of guy. Financial advisor, stockbroker kind of guy. I wouldn't say he's advising anybody other than his own accountant. Like, I don't get the vibe that he's he's much into helping others. Uh, But it, it was pretty much Goodfellas set on Wall Street. Like, that was the vibe of the trailer. Really? High energy, lots of music. Matthew McConaughey, and then listen to this cast, dude. Uh, PJ Byrne, John Favreau, Spike Jones, who's also a pretty amazing director, Jonah Hill, Matthew McConaughey, John Bernthal, he played Shane on Walking Dead. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Kyle Chandler, who was the, the dad in Super 8, and he was in Argo. He always plays these, he was also in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. He always plays these either cop, fed he was also i think on uh, friday night lights he played a uh, coach on the the tv show oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, rob reiner's in it uh, oh you know, wow oh yeah he's got a great cast and really? like every other you know Scor- scorsese movie and it just looks and well interestingly enough one of the writers is jordan belfort who leo is playing so this is obviously in a sense like goodfellas which was based on the book wise guy that was written oh, by Nicholas yeah. Pileggi. So I, it had that same vibe, though. I mean, you had the narration at the beginning with DiCaprio, and he has this great thing where he says, you know, last year I made, it was like $49 million, and I was I just turned 26, and it pissed me off because I was only three away from making a million dollars a week. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just, and, and McConaughey, who I think has had this like resurgence in his career as of late, he's yeah. been doing a lot of more uh, quirky, smaller films and, and, and in, independent type roles. He was in with Killer Joe, Mud. He's been doing The Lincoln Lawyer. He's been yeah, doing yeah. things that are not his typical failure to launch. <laughs> How to lose a guy. <laughs> he's not doing those. And he's actually showing his chops because I've always thought he was a good actor, but yeah. he's definitely done some. Uh, interesting pictures uh but the wolf of wall street i'm actually jacked up to see it it looks pretty much if, like i said you took goodfellas and exchanged the mafia for wall street types street yeah. and all of the hedonism and and debauchery that could go in uh, in that world and that's pretty much what you got so wow. it looked it looked pretty cool it I looked, like I like the Caprio. I could give it a shot. So yeah, he, and he looks great. Funny, yeah, so. he looks like he's great in this. I mean, the guy. I, I was definitely a, a DiCaprio. I don't say hater. I didn't hate the guy, but you know, I, I would talk shit. You know, uh, especially after Titanic, which I've always tried to argue is good when the ship starts to go down and people are freezing to death. And <laughs> but it's not his fault that he looked like he was twelve till he was twenty four. Okay. But yeah, I feel yeah. like ever it really Inception for me personally is what turned it around. I know you've done some other big like with Departed and stuff like that. But to me, Inception, he really felt more like a man playing a manly role as opposed to a guy who looks way too young playing that role. I didn't. Now, have you seen have you seen Shutter Island? Uh, I haven't because the ending was spoiled for me. I guessed it. And. <laughs> And therefore, uh, and therefore, it was one of those like, oh, well, yeah, okay. I, I figured it was going to be that anyway. Uh, yeah. Damn it. That was such a good ride, though. And Scorsese, too, right? And Scorsese. I probably will see it eventually just because I, I, Scorsese, along with Spielberg and a couple others, I've prided myself on having seen the majority of their movies, if not all of them. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the way it, back it to good. like, who's that knocking at my door with Scorsese? So, I, I definitely will see it eventually, but it, was, it wasn't top tier. It didn't feel Scorsese enough for me to like be jacked up to see it. So. Uh, I actually really, really liked him in Departed. That for me was the moment where I felt like it really uh, switched mm-hmm. uh, for me because I, I the same way. Uh, DiCaprio was a kid. It w- I just wasn't as big as fan. I wasn't a hater. Same way, but you know, he was like a I don't want to say kid actor, but he always felt like it was just that you know skinny young boy, like the, sh- uh, the Shia LaBeouf syndrome. Yeah, not yeah, not really a tough character. Just kind of a sensitive, and yeah, I just didn't like any of the characters he played, but. For me, seeing the seeing Departed with Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg, I mean, he played a great like cop, tough, and and I was like, uh, oh. And yeah. then of course I saw Shutter Island and um, Inception and and some of those. So it it, it definitely he slid to the good side for me. So yeah, cool. I dig it. I'll I'll, uh, I'll check out the trailer and then I'll yeah, see what happens All when right. it comes out. What would you say, my friend? That that might bring us to the end of uh, Trailer Trash. I think that's the end. Come on back now, you hear? Y'all need to watch that trailer. I think I need to cut it down. 
to where no, no, no. He, no, 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 to where we hear the you know, the instrumental starts it, and then the end is y'all come back now you hear y'all got to watch oh, that trailer. That makes gotcha. more sense. I think it's probably what like he intended. From, yeah, yeah. So I need to like I need to that way we have a nice bookend to the trailer. trailer segment. <laughs> so on that note, my friend, my fearless friend, my man, O Steel, do you want to dig into this bad boy? Because I know we actually, uh, full disclosure, we originally were almost took a week off, but then we both saw Man of Steel. And we decided we needed to discuss it. Now, before you assume, it's because we have anything positive to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd be right. Uh, but <laughs> but that being said, this, this episode, we're going to stay on track. We're going to stay focused. This. You're lying. What? what? You can't lie. Don't lie. Yeah, that's the ticket. We're going to talk about Man of Steel. Yeah. So, Jay, Man of Steel, would you like to break it down for the three people out there who haven't seen it yet? And by yes. the way, we probably will spoil some pretty major crap. So if you haven't, turn this off. Seriously. Yeah, this is one of those times where we're going to talk about a movie that's really new. And if you haven't seen it, you want to kind of catch it all firsthand. Um, one thing I'll say is well, I know hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait one second. From our other podcast. Other... Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. <laughs> okay. You've been warned. <laughs> yes. You've been warned. Um, because you and I, I know, very carefully uh, try to avoid any reviews, any discussion, yep. Yep. anybody else's opinion yep. of whether or not they liked or disliked this movie. We yep. wanted to go into it completely uh, unblemished. I wanted yes. to go in as cold as your heart, grooms. Cold, yeah, you can't be that cold. Um, and so we went into it neutral. Uh, we didn't even talk about it ourselves. We didn't, you know, any of that. And uh, so we both saw it opening weekend. And I and I went into it thinking uh, a couple of things. One, I I just hope it's not a return of Superman Returns or it's not a remake. <laughs> that was uh, an of- awesome title. Return of Superman Returns. Yes, because uh, I did not enjoy Superman Returns. Now, I didn't hate it to the extent that it was a god awful. I did movie, but I hated it, it was just I. I didn't care. None of it. I. I didn't really. Meh. Whatever. It just wasn't that good. It wasn't exciting. It was slow. It was the guy that played Superman. And I was like, meh. I felt like we jumped halfway into a story. So I, I thought the bar is pretty low. <laughs> For this one, but so you were, you, actually, now you, you of course were a fan of Christopher Reeve, at least the first two. Yeah, I do, and, and I obviously, do like obviously the third one. Uh, yeah, of course, Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess I I could accept that that because I also was a comic book fan, you know, back in the day. But I could accept that Christopher Reeve was a very stylized version of Superman for his time period. Mm -hmm. So I did not go into this expecting it to be just like his version of Superman. I I was okay with it being complete reboot, a complete new story. And that's what excited me about the trailer is it looked like it was a completely different approach. And going into this, I just wanted to give it a fair shot and not think about any of it. I, from like halfway, not even half, like as I'm watching, I'm thinking, Okay, it hasn't sucked yet. Oh, okay, that's really good. Okay, I really like, are they going to screw it up? I kept waiting for them to do something to screw it up, and it never came. I, I came out of it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was a, a fantastic, not only a superhero movie, because the freaking fight scenes in this are unbelievable, but I loved Henry Cavill. I thought he was a perfect Superman, because I love the way they made him out to be a lonely very uh, tortured soul because he was by himself. He wanted to do right, but he was always faced, you know, with the difficult decisions of, you know, the bullies beating him up on the schoolyard, knowing he could kill them all, you know, with one hit and he couldn't do anything about it. He just had mm-hmm. to sit there and be humiliated and beat up. And he carried that throughout. And I really love the way he did it. It still weirds me the hell out to hear the actor speak, though, uh, in a British accent. <laughs> so oh, is he British? Yes, I thought that, and I asked somebody. They go. They said to me, "No, I think he's Canadian." <laughs> well, he he kind of well, he was in Canada a lot during the movie, um, 
But uh, no, he, I think he's British. So you hear him talk. Wow, he did a hell of a good American accent. I mean, that's exactly what I so thought. Why is that? Why is it the Brits can do fantastic American accents? Because, you know, it's such a hard one to pull off. Yeah. Let's just say some. Well, they always say, then let's just say hypothetically, <laughs> people with the talent of podcasters struggle <laughs> with the nuanced inflection of even yeah. a Cockney accent. Hey, listen, I'm going to say you are on now. par. You are on par. With Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yep, and Tom Cruise. My favorite and, part, I've, I know I said it before, I got to say it again. Wait, ready? My impression of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner, getting off a boat with Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Look, mistletoe. <laughs> uh, are you channeling Keanu Reeves? What? <laughs> mistletoe. Yeah. Which, let me just say, Kevin Costner in this movie, dude, Maybe the best I've seen him. I'm trying to think. When was the last movie at Water One New? Post, post May. No, because there was stuff after Dance with the Wolves that didn't stink, right? <sighs> Field of Dreams came after Dance with the Wolves, didn't it? No, that came out before. No, that was before. That was like 89. Yeah, it was uh, 89. Dance with the Wolves was like 90, 91. Damn it. Come on, Koss. What the hell? No, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to admit it. I don't think The Bodyguard is a bad movie. I don't, um, think, I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't I don't think it's an awful movie. It's not my style because I don't like that romance, that romantic. Uh, no, but know. I thought it had enough. I didn't think it had enough thriller action elements to it. And Whitney Houston was a really damn. I mean, most actors, I mean, most uh, musicians and singers that try to act good, are yeah. Madonna and it's horrible. Uh, yeah. Whitney Houston was really oh. good. Uh, JFK came out right after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, didn't he also do was it 13 minutes? That was another. Wasn't that him as well? I'm pretty sure. Keep talking and I will check. 13 days. 13 days. Yeah. 13 minutes. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was yeah, years yeah, later. Don't that describe was, uh, your honeymoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 13 days. <laughs> 13 days. Damn That it. was the, uh, the Cuban missile crisis. Yes. One, right? But he did that. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Um, that was later. That was like what ninety nine. Yeah, it was it. That wasn't that late, was it? Yeah. It was, oh, it, what, it was wait, like hold on. Wait, 90s, wait, hold on. You're right. I lied. We are totally already off Man of Steel. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I Kevin Costner plays uh, Man of Steel or Clark Kent's dad. Two thousand. You're right. Holy crap. Really? Two thousand. Bru- really? Hey, hey, Bruce Greenwood. I forgot he was in that. You, you know, he's uh uh, Christopher Pike in the new Star Trek movies, and he was JFK. Yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah, I have not seen the newest. Uh, I have not seen the newest uh, Star Trek, but um, hmm. I like him. Yeah. I like Bruce. Anyway, so yeah, he plays. Uh, um, he plays Clark's dad, Jonathan Kent, who in the Christopher Reeve version died of a heart attack at the end of his driveway. You know, just uh, uh, kind of quietly went. Uh, in this one, he plays a much bigger role because no, I'd, say, I'd say don't don't spoil what happens with it. But no, no, I'm just going to say he they do a lot. He plays a bigger role, just like Jarrell does, played by Russell Crowe. Tin Cup in the original. Tin Cup was a good movie. And I never saw it. It was actually it was a it was a, it was a good movie. It, yeah. was, it was done by um, Ron Shelton, who also did Bull Durham. Yeah, that was a good one. Bull Durham was good. Yes, and White Man Can't Jump, which actually is a really good movie. No, I actually like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I uh, Tin Cup. He did. Do, he did do Tin Cup. But honestly, other than, um, he did the War. Oh, actually, Perfect World is an imperfect, <laughs> no pun intended, an imperfect <laughs> but good movie that uh, Clint Eastwood directed. Mm. And then see the Bodyguard, Perfect World, White Earp. Eh. Oh, I can't stand White. Yeah, Earp. it's so slow. The War yeah. was again. Eh. Uh, Waterworld, Tin Cup, The Postman, Message in a Bottle, For Love of the Game. Oh my God, that is Sam Raimi's worst movie. Ham, we're talking about, and uh, Sam Raimi, who did Crime Wave, which is an acquired taste, granted, but I think most people would argue, even the people that love it, it's not a great moment in cinema. Is just friggin' Casablanca compared to For Love of the Game. That you couldn't stand it. Uh, play, play to the Bone. I did not see but i think i wanted to see but he didn't really star on that 13 days three thousand miles to graceland yikes <laughs> kurt russell and kevin coster playing elvis impersonators who involved get involved in a criminal out oh, yeah. you know, you know, good i heard a i heard an interview with costner 
um, on the radio before I went and saw Man of Steel, and they were asking him about Man of Steel. That's appropriate. And, uh, yeah, and they were they were because you know he was doing the the circuit, he was doing his media rounds, and he was talking about it. The first thing he leads off with was about a three minute discussion of how he does not like superhero movies and they are not his thing. And he doesn't normally do these kind of films and they are just, he doesn't like them. He likes, I I don't do these kind of films, you know, successful ones. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean like, Okay, are you going to stop bashing superhero movies and then talk about the goddamn superhero movie that you're in? Well, let me, let me guess the men, the intention was to drive home that point so that he could then follow it up. However, with this one, no, he didn't. He didn't really say however. He just said this, but this, I really like the role and I like this. And he said this, all the best line he said was, this is a big movie. This is a, he didn't say fantastic. Well, it, it, this is gonna. This is big. This is the biggest thing. This is a big movie. And I'm like, <laughs> really, did they piss you off? Did Zack Snyder like give you bad direction or you just, you know, which is what I have to say. I think he did great. I, and uh, I did great. I really do. And what I was going to say, as we go back to talk about Man of Steel for just yes. a second, um, I like the fact that both he as Jonathan Kent and uh, Russell Crowe as Jarrell had bigger roles in this movie. That's all I meant by it. So in the original Christopher Reeves mm-hmm. version, both of his father figures really only had bit parts, very tiny setup parts. Uh, that, you know, you could count within two minutes, three yeah. minutes total, you know, not really that much in this, they're much more present because they tell a lot more of the story of shaping his personality mm-hmm. and shaping his persona and who he becomes as a man. And so, uh, it, I love that they have a bigger part in it. You know, even Kevin Costner's uh, part, he did a great job playing that. Mm-hmm. And I think tackling that idea, which you and I talked about, um, after seeing it is, is, what would happen if humanity suddenly became aware of a being that was basically all powerful? Mm-hmm. How would they respond? And that was really what Jonathan Kent's fear was. Is you, that's why that whole idea of you have to keep your identity secret is the world would fall apart. You know, they would freak out. So absolutely. Well, and I loved uh, I loved that it they made the father son dynamic so much stronger in these films and this film. And yeah. I think that just to, just to add in my two cents on how I felt about it. I saw it twice in the same weekend. I haven't done that since Prometheus. And by the second time I saw Prometheus, I was like, I can't apologize for some of this anymore. <laughs> Whereas with man of steel, I loved it even more the second time. Yeah. And I think with man of steel, what I loved was how they so completely unified and tied in all the elements that felt so disparate and sort of hanging out in the wind from the original Superman movies, let's say, yeah, as an example. Like stuff that they never really addressed well or never really Exactly, but, but just yep. little things, too. Just the fact that, without giving too much away, you can see it in the trailers, but the fact that Zod and his crew, they're not completely... Imper- you always felt like with them even when superman got his powers back that they were they were above him even that there was they were the only way you could get them to uh, be taken care of was the quote-unquote i'm using air quotes by the way plot (laughs) twist at the end of superman 2 which i won't give away just in case somebody hasn't seen it and but, but it's it's such a lame oh we're gonna trick them and do some side of like deus ex machina thing where conveniently now we have established it because superman went in this thing earlier and this thing happened and now we're gonna get the bad guys in it but that's the only reason yeah. we even set that up because we needed a way to stop them and this is the only way we could do it this movie i felt really did a great job with giving them their own flaws and foibles thus making them much more dimensional and interestingly yeah. i loved that zod was not this crazy power hungry warmongering just evil guy he just well, was what he was designed to be yeah and in the in the originals you just got the feeling that these were three criminals just three thugs that had yeah. been put in jail yeah. and they escaped and they happened to have the same powers as Superman did because they were under the same conditions. They came from Krypton. Yep. They were on Earth and all that stuff. Zod, I love that they made him out to be this super patriot of Krypton, yep. basically. Yep. And it was his role in life. It was his only life's mission to preserve Krypton. Now, if but, that happened to be at the expense of humans, 
So be it. But here's so the key with him. Right. He w- but it wasn't just that it was his role. He was literally genetically designed right. to be that. So he couldn't. He, he was a Terminator. He didn't know any yeah. other way. Right. And it was great. And Michael Shannon oh. as Zod, absolutely fantastic. I Love honestly think, it. I honestly don't, I, I, there was a part of me that wanted to go back and watch the original Superman 1 and 2 after this. <laughs> but in a good way, Ellie. was like after watching it, it was, it was like I think I'll go back and watch him with just this nostalgic fondness. But I had this new movie that I could appreciate on this whole other level. Yeah. Right. But I am really worried now because I always love Superman two the most. That all the stuff with Zod is going to seem so campy and so just <sighs> lame in comparison that. I almost just want to let it lie. Just let let our podcast we did, just let it be the last time I watch it until the day comes when my kids watch it and I watch it with them and see it through their eyes and go with that. <laughs> um, do it because after um, uh, after I saw this, mm-hmm. um, I, I was texting and uh, uh, with a friend, uh, uh, a friend of ours and um, uh, actually not a friend of yours and I, so my, my friend uh and anyway he had seen it <laughs> i have no friends and he was talking about it and he's a fan of the originals too well he started sending me video clips <laughs> of neil before zod from the original yeah <laughs> and it's like i started watching them and thought okay yeah there's uh but interestingly did you now that you said that did you catch that okay mild spoiler alert when superman goes on to the ship with him with zod and yeah. a certain condition happens that causes him to collapse. He kneels. Remember? He falls before him and he's uh, kneeling. Yeah. Now, Michael Shannon never says, as a matter of fact, he may, he actually apologizes for Kal-El. He says, you know, he, you know, he's, he, he doesn't understand our protocols, yeah. our decorum, whatever, however he puts it. But he actually is an apologist for Kal-El's lack of respect for General Zod. He's not, yeah. he doesn't demand respect. He, he's trying to be, uh, you know, what really all great generals are supposed to be too, which is somewhat diplomatic. If you think about great generals in history, I mean, MacArthur and some of the other ones, they were, the whole point was they weren't just, you know, these guys who would go off to war. They also had to have a level of uh, diplomacy because a lot of times, you know, especially you go back ancient uh, generals, you know, they had to be able to, on the battlefield, meet with the enemy and uh, discuss terms well, of yeah, conditions. You, suddenly- and, if your army suddenly turned against you, yeah. Um, yeah. you'd be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So. You had to learn. To, so it's not just this. I guess what I go back to, I just loved how multidimensional yep. Zod was. I just couldn't get over that. And another aspect, I, the other thing was Russell Crowe. I honestly think this may be the best I've seen him in that I, off the top of my head since Gladiator. I, I wanted more of him. Yeah, I loved role. it. And the whole, not to spoil it, but the very beginning of the movie starts out on Krypton. Well, just the same as the originals. Yep, and uh, Just way there's a much, much longer uh, sequence, a whole Well, you actually get to see movie. why Zod and his crew are being imprisoned. Yes. Yeah, and what happened to Krypton and why and all and stuff. But Russell Crowe in that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he was so, great. Yeah, yeah and, and then his really subsequent role later on was fantastic, just the way they integrate. And, yep. I, loved, and I loved how they explained it. And, yep. and that's the other thing is that those little pieces, how they tied it together and the connection between him and Zod and how things go down and how much yep. more the that then affects and informs the dynamic between Kal-El and Zod. I mean, all of that was so beautifully tied together. And the other thing, and we talked about this a little bit uh, when we discussed this before offline, that uh, I don't think it's been any secret. I mean, Zack Snyder, the director, is point blank said it uh, but there are some strong i would say religious but there's some strong allegory connection to uh jesus and and just any you can almost say any messiah type story uh there's definitely that is definitely there and i'd say jesus specifically i mean they make reference to the fact that uh kal-el's 33 (laughs) at one point he goes floating out into space it's in one of the trailers and his arms are out in the crucifixion pose and i I can't remember who it was somebody made a comment about if you freeze frame if you get a screen capture that frame you can have your very own superman prayer card so (laughs) but but and zach snyder who i don't get the i don't think had any religious agenda I, i just think in the same way, Joss Whedon, who I, I would say is probably as politically and religiously opposite of Captain America uh, from everything I've ever read that you could get as far as the character goes, yet treated that character with such respect 
in the yeah. way he treat you know, he didn't ever demean him his his value he didn't infuse joss whedon's beliefs and values onto captain american avengers he just let captain america be captain america well and and, and i as i mentioned to you and that's the story of superman is really always had sort of that bent to it it's not something Zack snyder really put in he may put, have put in some imagery to it no he didn't put it, idea, he even said it was based on the 75 years of mythology that's there say, yeah, it's not something he started. It certainly is the idea that you have this, uh, you know, superhuman, this 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 person, and even in the comic books, you know, they have a death and a resurrection mm-hmm. uh, where he's killed and comes back. But the idea that he's the last son and that you know his uh, his father uh, Jarrell is kind of a omnipresent uh, yeah, a holy ghost type. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of that in there. So it's not a completely Zack Snyder thing, but. There were there were images of it in here, but it didn't beat you over the head. No, and that, that, it, so. it, that would have been horrible. See, it's it was a fine line between uh, having interesting philosophical existential ideas in in your story and keeping it universal and and interesting so that it spurs questions versus beating you over the head with something and proselytizing and getting preachy and obnoxious with it. Those are, it, yeah. it, it, it could be a fine line. Although sometimes it's actually not a fine line at all. It just you people just go way over it, you know, but uh, interesting point to make out though, is that uh, uh, Siegel and Schuster who were the original creators of Superman uh, when, you know, that created the character, they were actually yeah. Jewish immigrants. I, I don't, they were, I think they were immigrants, but I know that he was originally, elements of his story were modeled after Moses specifically. I mean, you think uh, about them putting him in a, you know, the, the space, space age oh, yeah. equivalent of a Basset and sending him off down the, down the, the river. river of yep. stars and, and just all those kinds of elements. Uh, and I, th- but I think what it does when you do that, when you, when you, regardless of what one's belief system is, that's irrelevant. History, uh, different stories, whether people perceive them as mythologies, whatever. All of these things, uh, I go to the Joseph Campbell school of thought on all this. It is it is really all part of this collective consciousness. And those stories are necessary. It's how we inform everything. We need narrative. And when you infuse those little elements, it makes it more interesting. To me, it does. It makes it deeper. It's like, it's not just this, I'm not saying it, it didn't even have to be, you know, necessarily Jesus specific. It needed to be just something deeper uh i know well, it, it, go ahead and not only that i think when it has that level of complexity it makes it that much more enjoyable to keep watching again and again yeah because you see more things you you get a different appreciation for it than you know just watching once that it's you know kind of shallow and yeah. light but um and we do rewatch some of those but it gives it that much more and like this movie i felt had so much going on like that that I'd love to own this and rewatch oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Just look yeah, I haven't bought a, I haven't owned a movie and I've gone out to buy it specifically in a long time. This is one I will because I loved it that I much. Will. And and more to the point, I think the the central question of this movie, and it's where the Jesus Moses, you know, fill in the blank type of of connection is. But it's what in I personally thought was was the most interesting idea that they gave away in one of the trailers that came out. There's about 150 of them, I think yeah. where they, where you hear Russell Crowe's uh, Jarrell character speaking of what it mean, what it would mean for a, a man who is this all powerful being, I'm par- totally paraphrasing here yeah, yeah. to choose good, to choose yeah. to be a moral character. And especially with how things without, I want to definitely keep this open and did how things go down at the end of it. I think the character still main, you know, tains all that. Absolutely. But it's going to have an effect. It's good. But because, he, you know, and that's that in that same sequence that he talks about in the trailer, that's what he says, you know, and man, you will be a, a standard bearer or a, a, an example for mankind. Yeah. You know, they will follow behind you. They'll stumble. They'll, but the idea that he, he sort of, uh, has to choose to be the ideal of good, yeah. but that it is a choice. Yeah. Because in the end, no one can stop him. Yep. He, he do is a wants. God yep. among men. Yep. And so it, the idea that he does internally struggle with that mm-hmm. a lot, Yeah. Uh, that's a huge part of the drama of it. And especially towards the end, like you said, there's several points, the second half of the movie, there's several points that he kind of comes across that. And I guess, um, you know, that, that, now you've said all that, that actually just hit. I think what I loved about this movie is it wasn't, it was not morally relative. And I think a lot of things in our day and age, nobody wants to take a stand on anything and it's all about political correctness and you do not want to define, well, what's good? I mean, one person's good as another person's bad. And that's true. Okay. Pretty confident though. We can all, 
the, the vast majority of human beings get this sick feeling in their stomach with the idea of some alien entity with fire beams coming out of his eyeballs about to incinerate kids, let's just say. Like, most of us would say, bad <laughs> on that one, okay? Most people. Most. Yep. And if you aren't, then please stop listening. I don't even want to talk to you. Uh, but let's just say, <laughs> hypothetically, the vast majority of us could admit that that is actually a pretty definitive good versus bad thing. Uh, but I think a, a lot of what we have culturally now is it like it's everything so, uh, you know, relative in that regard. Now, what I love, though, I do not like things to be absolutist. I do not yeah. want it to be like everything is so black and white because it's not. But there, but I think what it boils down to is it's the the absolute part comes from that character for Kal-El, he has a very strong moral compass that drives him, and it's his freaking story. So yep. I think it's one that most of us can relate to. I think I could be wrong on that, but I think most people can relate to it. And yep. uh, he comes, it makes him very human. And I think if he wasn't, if he just came across as this, you know, flawless McDouchey douche pants who yeah. is impervious to everything, which I know so occasionally, in, you know, has been a knock on Superman, it wouldn't work. And I think that was one of my fears going into this movie is that that's how they would have, they would have played him true to traditional what Superman always was. And they would have yeah. done the whole, Oh, he always to do is put on a pair of uh, well, reading glasses and suddenly nobody <laughs> knows who he is. And but if they made uh, it, yeah, it's because if they make it too easy for him to be that good with that kind of power, then it just doesn't have any of that complexity or depth to it. In yeah. this, they made it more difficult for him to be that good. Yeah. They made it a hard choice yep. and they made him more human in the, in the element of you see his personal struggle with yeah. the ideas of, you know, doing things with his powers and, you know, shaping his future, uh, which he could very easily do. They make it more of an internal struggle and a believable. And that's why I like, uh, you know, Henry Cavill in this is because he did such a good job great, selling dude. the idea. Yeah, that and, and I can tell you right now, um, I I I I want to quote somebody or paraphrase somebody real quick here. Um, John Bernthal was in a behind the scenes extra on a movie that I'm going to mention before we get done here because I actually yeah. saw a movie last night that was I thought was fantastic and I was shocked how much I liked it. I did want to tell you about. Yeah, but he referred to uh, his co his co star. Uh, in this in this way, he goes, I, I'm a I'm a happily married man to a beautiful woman, but he may be the most beautiful man I've ever laid eyes on. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, dude, uh, Henry uh, Cavill, that's a that's a good looking dude. Uh, he they did a he he embodied, you know I mean? like he embodied Superman in such a perfect way. Yeah. You know, there was nothing that you wouldn't look this. I don't. Yeah, he's not that. He's not big enough, or he's not. No, he was obviously very, very great shape. You know, three hundred style, and uh -huh. his face. I mean, but I love how he was this bearded character. Oh, and another great observation they made on um, the movie podcast weekly was uh, again bringing the the whole uh, philosophical connection uh, is the fact that think about the way we are introduced to Clark uh, in this movie. He's a laborer. He's he's yeah. a, he's a he's a day laborer, blue collar type worker, as opposed to the original Superman movies where he's already this roving reporter and you know, yeah, he's already yeah, he's already you know, above office. the fray. Yeah. And, 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 and I love that. I love that he oh, was instead this, this Superman was working on um, Deadliest Catch. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was totally in an episode of Deadliest Catch. Yeah. He was, he was working a crab boat, man. Now, and we all know exactly how to load a crab uh, crab trap because of that. that show. One, I'm watching. I'm like, he's going to throw the bait in. Got to duck out. Hurry up. Here goes the crane. Now, Watch real it. quick question. And I know this is totally picking nits, but I feel like we've been just geek gasming all over this movie. You know, yeah, yeah. much like the semen on the poop deck. And <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I will make one observation. Uh, mild spoiler alert. He's on the crab shit. Shit. <laughs> Crab ship. Crab shit. Stormy she sheesh. <laughs> Stormy yep. seas. And the cage is above him. It goes to break. One of his uh, fellow sailors, fishermen, whatever, hits him to knock him out of the way. Says, what's look out and pushes him out of the way to save What's wrong with that? You can't push Superman. Because we see that later on, right? Does it now? Well, well but I think it's because he was tensed up at that later on. Well, true. But so the question I think if you're becomes: prepared for can, it, can, can, does he have to be prepared for it? 
I don't think he would. He's freaking Superman. But I'm saying more than that. The question becomes: Maybe he let the guy do it to keep up say, the appearance. I, that's why I say I think yeah. that's the thing about that I loved about this movie is every time you could think you can you know sort of twist it apart a bit, jab it on something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do I would I would feel remiss again if I didn't use that word in a podcast. And two, <laughs> if I didn't mention Amy Adams, I loved her as Lois Lane. Uh, the only part my wife nudged me in the movie went like gave me the what the hell. With the like, why she was when she follows somebody into a let's just say precarious situation, and if you're familiar at all with her character, especially if you go back to like the the '40s cartoons and the original stuff with her, that's totally Lois Lane. She doesn't give a damn. She will go yeah. into the. I mean, in, in some of those old cartoons, besides the fact that they're horrifically racist and offensive, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the fact that she was such a strong. Like they went almost overboard to make her such a strong woman that she transcends that and becomes a moron. And you're, and you're thinking, why would you crawl in the back of the flying robot with machine guns attached to it, Lois? Right. That, that could be a bad idea. So, <laughs> but I loved Amy Adams. I thought she was a great balance between spunky, uh, in, intrepid reporter, and she's cute, and she's a great actress, and she's uh, no Margot Kidder. We'll just say that. Mm-hmm. And you can take that for whatever you want to take it as. Uh, but that's pretty much what it boils down to. <clears throat> I loved the philosophical questions. Yeah. I loved the visuals. I loved the acting. I, I liked, yeah, speaking of acting, I liked Christopher Maloney in it. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Uh, Elliot. Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Yep. He plays a colonel in it. And he's, he's actually kind of a, uh, well, of course, he's always a good badass, but he was yep. a good badass in this one. So he was cool. Um, Diane Lane did a great oh, job. Yes, yeah. think, yes. best best moment in the movie too. You will not mess with my mother. Oh yeah, that was awesome. But uh, she plays a good character. Not oh, she's just great. A, yeah, not just a you know old lady. And, and with, I'm not gonna uh, tell you. I'm gonna tell you, dude. I know they had her. They purposely made her even older than she she is. Obviously. Yeah. That woman is the Dick Clark of female actresses because I don't age. know. I don't know what the hell. I mean, <laughs> she doesn't look. She's had any work done. <laughs> she is still really beautiful. And another one like that, it, again, speaking of the movie that I'm going to uh, tell you about just very briefly in a minute, Susan Sarandon. Holy crap. Because she's yeah. like pushing 70, isn't she? Yeah, she's got to be. And she's still hot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's, she's, she's not ugly. Yeah. I mean, think about it. And then there's Raquel Welch, too. Yeah, she's sixty-seven. Who Susan Sarandon? Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, she's. But I don't think she's had like they don't look as if they've they, if they've had work. It's not been crazy. You know. Yeah. No. A perpetually surprised face. <laughs> no, Kenny Law. Yeah, Kenny, no, uh, Cotton no, no, Wind no, Tunnel. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, the Kenny yeah, Cotton <laughs> Wind Tunnel. Look like you should be yeah. in some kind of Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, I guess we both. Would say at a score of one to five, we'd give Superman of Steel what two point five, and say catch it at a dollar movie. Yeah, one and three quarters maybe. Yeah. Although, uh, quick side note, fascinating as hell to me. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, eighty-two percent audience approval rating. It's got a rotten rating under critics at fifty-six percent. Really? Yes. <laughs> Now wait, they gave they friggin' gave this is the end, the one with Seth Rogen and that crew, which yeah. don't go wrong, looks funny, but it doesn't look like it'd be a great movie. Yeah. These these douche nozzles gave it at eighty five percent. Now that well, to be fair, I, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes actually scores them. I think they conglomerate. No, no, no they do. That? No, they they, they take oh, they take they? the collective and the average. But I'm just saying the fact that Man of Steel comes down that low. Oh, I know. And uh, Fast and Furious 6 got a 71% average from uh, critics. Uh, no. Um, I will say that for the brilliant, beautiful visual effects in this alone, it was worth more than that. And you know because, how much of a hater I could be on CGI, dude, but it looked pretty much yes, flawless in this. It, it was damn good. The fights, the... Everything. The, I mean, this puts that Avengers battle scene... To shame. Well, all, all, my only caveat to that would be the reason why the Avengers one, I think, works a little bit better 
is I don't feel it was as drawn out. And I think because you had all those character dynamics and the humor of their characters back and forth. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, they were definitely lighter. Like, yeah. I would watch that Avengers ending over and over again, whereas I feel a little bit like that was, if I really do have to, you know, pick it nits, the ending of Superman, of, I keep wanting to say Superman, Man of Steel, because of, it's almost like double endings, if you know it, because again, without being yeah, a spoiler. They, yeah, they could they could have cut it down a little dragged. bit. It felt like it dragged yeah. a little bit there. It was almost too much, but it was still amazing. I mean, it was pretty much what you would think if gods were battling in the middle of Metropolis, what it would look like. So, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was it was a really good time. I was very happy. Had a lot of fun. That was fun. And the and other side note, I don't remember the actor's name, but the kids, especially the 12 or 13 year old version of Clark, A, oh my God, how much did he look like adult Clark. I mean, yeah. that was great. I mean, they almost never get him that close. And B, the yeah, acting was phenomenal. Like, that's the thing is the acting was great, even in even by the uh, actors who were in these much smaller parts. I mean, yeah, like the little kid that yeah. played like a very, very young, like first grade, second yes. grade, whatever. Yeah. Superman, uh, Clark Kent. Um, he did great. And, yeah. But the teenage one. He uh, was fantastic. Like 14 year old or whatever he's supposed yep. to be. Yeah. Was, he was great. Yeah. So no, it was good all around. I, I I thought it was good. Way beat out my expectations, and I was I was glad that it uh, it turned out the way it did. So yep, I'll be I'll be buying it when it comes out on Blu-ray, DVD, or VHS. I agree, as will I. <laughs> and uh, on a final note, before we wrap this bad boy up, I saw a movie last night, my friend, that you've got to see. Okay. You know I am a fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay. I like him as well. I, I, I do like him as well. <laughs> you kind of left that okay out there. I'm like, and you're uh-huh. not, apparently. Okay. And, no, I love him. I, love him. I, I think he, he's one of these guys who has so much unbelievable charisma that if he wasn't such a talented actor, it almost wouldn't matter. But he actually is a yeah. really talented actor, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think he's good. I, I saw good. a movie called Snitch. Yeah, it's the, it's the one that just came out, right? The, oh, yes. It's all, it, yeah, got, got at the red box, decided to watch it. That's the one where he's supposed to save his son. Yes, he goes undercover for the DEA. It's in the trailer, not giving anything away. His son is arrested on a drug charge, and it's really addressing the whole uh, federal mandatory uh, minimum sentencing for first-time offenders and how insanely draconian it is. And that's just my opinion, but it is. And it's it's got a social message. It's pretty strong in it. But I I think what I loved so much about it, because you know— the thing that drives me the most crazy in a movie, it's not that it's goofy, over the top, wackiness like a mega prana. It's not that the acting wasn't great. It's not that things fall apart. They tried really hard. What drives me crazy, one of two things, either A, you completely insult my intelligence and not in a incidental, okay, your movie's called Mega Piranha. I should just accept that that's the whole point. But in a Blair Witch Project 2, you spent all we all night in the woods smoking weed and drinking vodka and then can't understand the next morning why you don't remember anything. <laughs> yes. Which makes me walk out of your damn movie. That's something that yeah, trivial. That offends me on such a level that I can't take it. But the other thing is, is when you have a socially conscious movie that, unlike Man of Steel, beats you over the head with it. You know, it's a big rubber hose. That, yes, like they, they, yeah. they don't just make it a part of the story and a character, but it becomes the whole point. It's authorial intrusion. It drives me crazy because it's yeah. shitty storytelling. Sorry. And <laughs> what I loved about Snitch Jeez. is it never <laughs> does that. It huh. never does that. And in fact, it, it was so <laughs> not doing that. It obviously was taking a stand to to point out how draconian this law is okay that was the whole point but it really did it effectively dude susan sarandon and i don't think it's any secret what her politics are okay like at all she plays a conservative republican district attorney and i'm gonna tell you right now i didn't realize that's what she was till i was watching the end of the the whole behind the scenes thing and they talked about it because she did such a good job of being honest with the character and just playing it as a person. Yeah, that it didn't I, set it off as She a, could have just as easily been this out. very strong, like, Hillary Rodham Clinton type who was just letter of the law, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I thought she was pretty tough, but she was never, I, she never came across as some wacky, one-dimensional, like she was trying to do, like, some bad Palin impression. It was not like that. Yeah, right. So, it was, like, it was that kind of thing. It was like, it was balanced. It was, it was okay, about. What's, what's that? Here's the question, though. Here's the question. Uh, so I assume you like Dwayne Johnson's acting in this. He was fantastic. Does he kick some ass? No. 
and that was why this was so damn good, dude. They play, really? It's first of it's it's inspired. It's one of those inspired by a true story. It was apparently a, a frontline or twenty twenty type deal. Yeah. It's based on a true story about a father who really did this, who went undercover for the DEA to get his son a lighter sentence, and. Mm-hmm. They won it. And the reason and the director, who is a guy named Rick Roman Waugh, who I'm going to like watch everything this guy does. He did a movie uh, a couple years ago called Felon that I really want to see. Now I had Val Kilmer in it. And uh, he because a lot of what he talked about was they actually wanted Dwayne Johnson, which because originally this guy, the director, he was a stunt guy. And he's done stunts on a ton of movies, like Total Recall. I mean, just a crap ton. Now he's directing. Yeah. And it was funny because he's actually looked pretty young to me. Like, he looked like maybe his early 40s, late 30s, early 40s. I mean, he didn't look that, like, yeah. but he's obviously been doing this for a long time. And yeah. he apparently had a relationship with Dwayne Johnson and knew him and got him on board because his thought was this. They wanted to give the audience the impression of just how dangerous this world was. And they figured if we get the biggest, baddest ass mofo who in normally our perception, our baggage coming into it is he kicks everybody's ass, which is what I was expecting. That's the kind of movie I thought I was going into. And when he doesn't, when shit gets real, real, real on him and he don't get up for a while, (laughs) you're like, Uh, oh, this is something unique. (laughs) And uh, it, it suddenly takes on this level of reality. Like, okay, this is a big, but in real life, a guy who looks like Dwayne Johnson is his big burly guy. He's uh, not going to stop six guys with lead pipes. Yeah. Okay. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's too choreographed in a movie. And that's what I loved is that everything in this movie was very honest. It was honest to the characters. It was honest to the moment. Uh, it was honest to the situation. Uh, Barry Pepper, who played the sniper in Saving Private Ryan. And of course, a much better film, a much bigger role was the main guy in Battlefield Earth. And he, <laughs> um, but seriously, he played the sniper in Saving Private Ryan. He was great in that. He plays his undercover cop and, and who works with Dwayne Johnson. It's a smaller role, but man, is he good in that? You, uh, and John Bernthal, who plays Shane, which is why I brought that up earlier, is very much kind of Shane-esque in this. He, he plays an ex-con who... Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson runs a construction company and this guy ends up working for him and he uses him to make a connection to that world. But John Barenthal is a character who's trying to go clean. He's trying to change his life. So there's this really great conflict between them. Uh, you could totally tell he shot this while he was doing season two of The Walking Dead because his head shaved. The exact, he looks exactly like he did in Walking Dead. It kind of throws you for a little bit. And yeah. But man, it was, and the director said afterwards, and I, after he said it, like, yep, that's what I loved about it. It felt like a 70s style action movie. By that, I mean more like a French connection, um, Serpico, Dog Day, after, where it's, it, there's a lot more cerebral elements to how the main character has to stop the bad guys than there mm-hmm. is, let's just blow crap up. Now, there is action sequences, there's shooting and killing and all that great stuff. But it's it's more about how this character has to figure out how to play all sides because he's he and his son, and his family are also caught up in it. It just I was shocked at how good it was, like shocked at how much I enjoyed it. So snitch. The Rock. Check it out. My opinion. <laughs> is it uh, on Netflix now? Uh, I, I, now I, I'm sure it's it? I'm sure it's a DVD on Netflix. I don't I didn't see it under instant player. I would have watched it that oh. way. I just assumed it wasn't. So I did the red box thing. So gotcha. Uh, gotcha. whatever the equivalent is in your neck of the woods. Check it out. Yeah, I have to put that on my list. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. It was surprisingly good. And, actually, good. and in hindsight, I think it's PG-13, which is funny because <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Uh, why don't they have the ring? Come on, IMDb. You're letting me down here, buddy. Oh, there it is. Uh, it is PG-13. Yes, it is PG-13. And it really feels more R than that, but in hindsight, they never dropped the F-bomb. Actually, during all the ma- behind-the-scenes stuff, they swear more, I believe, and all that, because they kept beeping the F-bomb from everybody. <laughs> Uh, and they nice. did in the actual movie but but it, it was still a, it, it was not a it didn't feel like a watered down pg-13 now i'm sure they did that for marketing purposes and because the rock was in it but it didn't feel that it didn't feel like that's why they did it right that makes sense yeah they okay. were doing it on purpose yeah which i mean we've seen that before they like yeah, uh, oh yeah. i don't know like uh die, the 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 free or die hard which was supposed to be an already movie and then they you know cut yeah. it down to make it yeah like that no it didn't feel like that mm-hmm. at all so but yes highly recommend snitch Cool. Yeah. So, my friend, um, would you like to, uh, in an automated sort of way, hit him with some knowledge? <coughs> Let me get my okay, voice ready. Okay, cut your throat. Ready? 
For more Offscript action, go to offscriptpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at, at OffscriptCast. More importantly, don't forget to check us out on iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the higher we rate. The higher we rate, the more listeners we get. The more listeners we get, the more reviews we'll get. It's a vicious cycle. If you have any questions or comments, keep them to your damn self. If you have a guest for the CND Theater or a suggestion for the ADD Top 10, email us. That is all. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. <laughs> and on a final note, you said final note like six times. Have I really? <laughs> yes. I, have to, I, I would edit that out <laughs> if I wasn't so lazy. <laughs> but on a seriously final note, I've decided that much like Kal-El, I am going to put on a mesh muscle shirt and explain something to all of you as I emerge from the Pacific Ocean. It was Pacific, right? Not Atlantic. It was Atlantic. It was Atlantic. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> as I emerge. No, it's, huh? No, it's probably the Pacific because it? it was, yeah, because it was crab fishing, which most of that happens off Alaska. Okay, we'll go with my original statement. I've edited the other part out by now, <laughs> except that I didn't because I'm lazy. As I emerge from the Pacific Ocean with my torn Hulk pants. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Yeah.